In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you. And I'm so happy to be here to introduce episode 43, something about stoicism. Really, stoicism, I, I've never heard of it except for maybe a porch. Uh, Michael, re- what is this? What, what, what's bringing us to this stoicism? I know we have a, we tend to get a little antsy or whatnot about isms. Um, and here we are bringing you a whole episode about an ism. But we hope that by the end of this, that you see the value in it. I hope, Ray, you see the value in it. I can do a convincing argument here to win some people over, at least to be a little bit more curious about it, if nothing else. So, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. <laughs> what is what is stoicism? It's a lot more than just being stoic. And it's funny when people talk about stoic, I think we'll cover that in a bit, but it's not related to not having emotions. It's not related to becoming Vulcan um, or any of that thing. It is really about becoming a better person, a better human through reflection and reliance on the wisdom of our ancients um, who've come before us and have had the same thoughts that we do as humans. So this... um, I guess philosophy. Philosophy will be the term we lean on in here. It is a it is an it is a branch of philosophy uh, from the ancients. There's other flavors of this out there on other under other names, but this is the one that comes to us pretty intact, and it's it has a lot of timeless wisdom, like I said, from our ancient ancestors. So, um, being a human, surprising enough, is pretty much a universal struggle for all humans throughout time. (laughs) Who would have thought of that? I really didn't think there would be as much truth to that statement as there actually is. So let's carry on. One of the things that Stoicism can provide us as well is practical steps and methods for being a better, less anxious, and happier human. And I think for me personally, that is one of the most important pieces or the biggest draws that attracts me to it. The idea that here is, here's a philosophy that offers us practical ways that we can do in our daily lives to help us as individuals, each of us meet us where we are and help us become better person by our own measures, not by someone else's measure, not by somebody else's book or ideology, but based on being a good person. It aims to provide people with tools to become the best version of yourself that you can. And and based on your own measure, what does it mean to you to be successful, to be a good person, right? To be in line with your core values. Wait a minute. You said based on your own measure, which I don't think we're used to that. I'm used to the, the fad diets, the religions. They're all telling me what I need to do. So how does this even operate if there's no basically head of state, what we're so used to with all these, you know, next fad diets and this is the next craze or the head of the church, if you will. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because it's based on modern contemporary ideas. It's not a religion, right? Um, but I guess I could say it was born out of religion, uh, probably was originally considered a religion among other religions. Uh, I'm going to quote here, the College of Stoic Philosophers, and they say it's a complete philosophy informed by an integrated system of logic, physics, and ethics. And it's interesting because like the early days, so back in Greece, Greece and Rome and before that and whatnot, the physics part was always a little iffy because they hadn't really come up with the scientific method or anything like that. But they were still concerned with what the heck are stars? <laughs> you know, what's in the sky? What is all this stuff? And they, they saw everything as connected. So from a religious perspective, when you read the writings of the ancients, they do refer to religious ideas and the connectedness of all things. Zeus is a name I believe the Romans used to describe the energy of the universe, um, not just the creator of the universe, but everything in the universe is made out of Zeus, which is funny because science is pointing to the idea that everything's just made out of energy anyway. So isn't that funny? Everything is the same, even though it looks different, <laughs> made of the same things. Anyway, I digress. So you can see where, you know, even today, coming through to today, it's hard to say, oh, okay, well, you know, is it, it's less of a religion. I think it's what we study, the parts of Stoicism we study today are heavier on the logic and the ethics. It's about how to think and how to be a, a better person, um, which is really great. So, you know, the ethics part makes it maybe feel a little bit more like a religion um, because you're concerned with making the best decisions that you can. Um, so it provides guidance on making decisions. And then, you know, all the other stuff there is essentially a, a complement to that. So it's a philosophy all about being human and more specifically about you being you and having agency in a world that is outside of your control. I, I hear you. I hear the religion and I, I see the religion esque, right? But there's no church. I mean, there's no, I don't see that, that, that authority I'm so used to. And maybe I'm just damaged goods because I grew up as a Catholic, but tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy because once I started going down this rabbit hole too, I was like, whoa, whoa, this seems so useful, so practical, so approachable um, for anybody, right? doesn't matter what your religious background or non-religious background is to arrive at this thing. And I'm like, is there, is there no stoa? Stoa is the, so stoicism, the root comes from stoa, which is Greek for porch. And it's the place where they would go and preach the ideas of Stoicism back in the day. Um, and they had followers. People would actually listen. It's not like the guy in the corner with the bullhorn and the Bible who's yelling at everybody and nobody's stopping to listen. These people actually had wisdom to offer um, and took questions and challenges from people who showed up to listen, right? So when I look out there, there is no church. Like it, as far as Stoas go, they're few and far in between. There's a lot of online communities and whatnot. And really what it is, is you read the books. This thing is for each, each and every one of us to practice for ourselves. No church required, no priest required. <laughs> no, I mean, technically you don't even have to, you know, listen to any philosophers that are alive today because you can just read the books of the ancients. 
Um, they're very approachable, surprisingly. And then there's a bunch of other people who have written things that um, try and put it into context, right? Um, but I would say another religious piece of this is that it, it requires you to constantly study and challenge your understanding of stoicism. So it's like, it's a whole bunch of principles, virtues, disciplines, things that need to be applied to your life in every situation. And it guides you through the decision-making that's necessary to get through it. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're better at it and sometimes you're worse, but it's a practice. It's very much a practice, more than a church, which is a very different concept, I think, from what most, at least Americans, consider from a church, right? Yeah, yeah you, you definitely surprised me because when you originally said the, even the topic of stoicism, and I, I, I thought stoic, I thought there is nothing interesting that's like a statue that's boring. That's how I describe people I don't want to hang out with sometimes. So it really, it's really shocking to me. So if I can kind of see if I understand this, it's basically, it's this ideal that anyone has a place on this platform, if you will. Is it, is it kind of the same forum thought that you and I go with, but is it more basic that a simple porch will do I, I i want to better understand you know and where did it, where did it come from how come i've not heard about it you know that's why that's the biggest thing is i i do not like to be completely shocked by anything historical and you did that in this instance so what happened no it's a great point and it's a funny thing um haven't quite gotten to the bottom of that yet i'm still digging into it it's like it's almost like it's always been here um but because there's no church, because there's no power structure, because there's no group of humans that have a financial or other vested interest in creating a power structure out of this thing, it just happens to be there. The wisdom is like hiding behind the scenes of every curtain um, from every practice you probably have already heard of. And it's really fascinating. And I haven't gotten to the root of why why we don't recognize stoicism as a standalone much less many of the other philosophical traditions that can really help us understand our place and purpose in the universe so let me just throw out some of the areas where there there are bits of stoicism you've already heard of or practiced in your life like meditation um, there is a lot of focus and energy in meditation practices that you that come through the ideas of meditation and the benefits and stuff that come through when you study stoicism and, and you're studying stoicism by studying the teachings and the quotes, you know, and, and the lessons of the ancients that had come before us that had pondered these things, you know, what is the purpose of life? Why don't I want to get out of bed? Why do I have to get out of bed today? You know, like these very human struggles. Um, so you see it in meditation, you see it in cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Um, one of the books I was reading about this in the intro, you know, the guy who wrote it's, it's like, you know, CBT is great for treating something in the moment, like getting you through crisis in the moment, but it doesn't do anything to guide your life. It doesn't do anything to guide your decisions or your choices for the future for what you want to bring to fruition for yourself and for your family. So, you know, cognitive the CBT is great as an emergency. It's like going to the hospital, you know, treating your symptom and then getting released, but you, you're not actually treating the disease, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of other mental health practices and stuff that draw on, you know, ancient wisdom, stoic practices. 
But this practice is arguably beyond those in its capacity to affect your life in a positive way. And when I say that, I mean, stoicism has an amazing capacity to affect your life into the future in a positive way. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned that something like CBT is really good for treating symptoms of mental health conditions. So you're experiencing in the moment fear, anger, foreboding, self-loathing, et cetera. And, and that's pinning you down in the moment. CBT and, and those types of practices, you know, you know, you know, questioning the thoughts that you're having to bring you out of that moment. But practicing stoicism will help remove the disease from your life, thus reducing or eliminating the symptoms altogether. So you have fewer days of anger or fear, debilitating self-loathing by naturally practicing this on a essentially a daily basis because it helps you to think about life in a much more positive and productive way. So where did it come from? I know that was embedded in the question you were asking earlier. How come we haven't heard of it? I don't know. I mean, because the Bible is, as I take away, younger and it's everywhere, right? So this thing's been around a while longer than the Bible itself, yet the Bible is extremely successful. But you've kind of explained there's a power structure behind it, but there's got to be something more. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good point. So it is a set of it's ancient practices born out of our ancestors struggling through the human condition. And this is going back to Greece, you know, the original one of the original philosophers, Socrates. A lot of people might be familiar with that name. He's one of one individual whose set of ideas you can see pass through into Rome along with the Stoics. But even before Greece, there were ideas that arrived there that came from other places. We don't necessarily know where, Mesopotamia, wherever. You know, Greece didn't create all known philosophy. They inherited again. They were on the shoulders of other wise people that had come before them and were paying it forward. Stoicism is of that lineage. And so there were thousands of writings from Greece that were lost due to war, you know, the library in Alexandria being destroyed, things like that. And then Rome picked it up because more than it being written, it was a spoken thing. You know, the Stoa was a place where people would go, the porch, and they would listen and discuss these ideas. Um, but we do have some writings, and this is where all of our training today comes from, is from the writings we that have survived from both um you know, Grecians and Romans, and maybe even some others, but those are the primary documents we use. And these are documents that were not written for the purpose of establishing a religion. These were documents written for the purpose of improving themselves. Like in some cases, we have Marcus Aurelius's personal journal writings to himself. So we understand his internal struggle that he put in his journal. Um, and others wrote letters espousing the ideas of stoicism and stuff. But one of the big quotes is about living it and not preaching it. Like, so part of the reason why we've never heard about this thing is because it's, it's built in just you choose stoicism for yourself and for your life to improve you. It's not for each of us to sell it to everyone else, you know? So I think that's part of the reason <laughs> um, maybe we haven't heard about it, even though it's so ancient and it's imbued in, in so many things. So so before we move on, we've got a few more you know, areas of this topic that we're going to cover, but we're going to take a quick break. Here's a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. As misinformation swirls in the cloud and we can hear the drumbeat of lies and violence grow louder in the distance, we must fully recognize and commit ourselves to the fact that self-rule requires unrelenting vigilance. 
an unwavering persistence that puts principle and reason above greed and hate. We place our faith in self-rule as the means to fulfill the promise of freedom and justice for all. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in their republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Please rate the podcast with five stars on iTunes through the app on the web or on your device. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Also, make sure you join our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get all the updates every couple of months on our antics and not just podcasts. While you're there, check out the shop, which has specialty merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution that helps us pay for production and for hosting. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. I feel like the this has talked a lot about how it can apply to me day to day, how to kind of stabilize myself. Um, but when it comes to the community, I think that's something that the church tries to preach. I think that's what uh, some organizations would say is that that sense of community they build, they embedder the community, they enrich it. Yeah, Ray, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so the, there are some religious communities that like to think that they own, you know, the corner or whatnot on community building or giving people a place and a sense of community. And stoicism doesn't leave us behind. Um, part of the practice is to encourage people to figure out how best they can contribute to their communities. And in Stoicism, when they're talking about the community, they're not talking about only the people in their church. So there is no church, right? So when they're talking as Stoics, and that's how one refers to oneself once they begin practicing Stoicism. You don't go through a ritual. You don't do anything like that, right? You just, you read the books, you understand the philosophy, and you start practicing. Now you're a Stoic. So, you know, Stoics are... Uh, concerned with improving themselves, not just for the sake of being rich or anything like that. It's actually so that you are able, you're in a position to know what you can contribute and how best you can contribute to your community at large. And again, community not being just the members of your church, there's no church. So your community is literally where you live and the people you interact with on a daily basis. Um, whether that be, you know, people you work with, or people in your neighborhood, people at your grocery store, um, people that are located in the places that you like to vacation, <laughs> wherever, wherever, whenever you find yourself, stoicism is there to help you be a better person for that community. Because wherever we go on earth, we're among humans and humans are our community. I know I, that's... <laughs> it's No, it's hard for me. It's hard for me too, but it almost seems like this is an answer to mental health that if we all are the in the best state of mind, you're saying that it works itself out, right? If we're all focused on being in the best, I guess, in the best strength, mm -hmm. yeah. mental strength, physical strength and mental strength, if you will, you, you are in a position to help others, right? When, when things do go wrong. 
It's exactly right. A, a practicing stoic is always challenging themselves to be a better person, not to themselves, but also to others. And the philosophy teaches us that the natural and happy state and happy happiness, okay, <laughs> the opposite of sadness, that natural state is for humans in order to achieve that is to be in a cooperative relationship with one another. Humans, by their very nature, achieve their greatest accomplishments, either individually or together, but always as a community. Nobody does anything necessarily by themselves or can be completely successful without some help, generally speaking. I mean, if you're going to sit there and write a book, unless you're going to be the publisher and the marketer and you know, you're going to do everything, you're going to do vertical integration, you know, chances are you're relying on other people. And now in that case, I'm talking about you know, groups of professionals coming together for some profit motive. But stoicism begs us to be more intrinsically tied to one another and the fact that anything in our community, society, whatever, anything good to come out of it or useful or productive is something we've done together. Collaboration is, is a requirement and it's a natural state for humans to survive in the world, always has been. You know, only communities of humans, only tribes of humans survived to create cities and, and civilizations and, and everything. It was not one lone human off in the mountain by themselves. That's never, that's never created anything monumental, right? It's always when we work together. It seems interesting that this is something that is actually innate and present in everyone and something that you can kind of bring to the forefront of your, your mind or, or where your brain goes first, right? Your reactionary measure. I, I almost think of driving in traffic, frankly, as something, one of those situations where we all come together, we all actually agree on a large percentage, almost 100% daily, we have accidents, but accidents happen, right? We all understand that and we migrate past it and we all consider with, frankly, one of the most stoic routines I can think of is driving in traffic every day through that system. Yeah, and I would push into that and say the, actual, this, the most stoic part about that is when you're sitting in your car and you're choosing how to think about the situation or how to feel about the situation. Because that's where, you know, that's where stoicism comes to play in your mind and your perception and, and, and saying, well, am I going to get upset about this? Because that's just going to cost me my energy and my life force. And it, it's going to uh, yield no result screaming at the windshield <laughs> um, because I'm frustrated about traffic. You know, it's that's where stoicism really comes home to roost is it, like, literally practically in our everyday interactions with ourselves in our minds and with others. It's trying to make us consider our choices before reacting to any situation, ultimately. I mean, and that sounds like meditation. I mean, in general, when you hear about, you know, the adverts for the benefits of meditation, mm -hmm. yeah, that's one of them. And, and meditation is one practice, but stoicism gives you a logical set of exercises to conduct with yourself in any moment to try and achieve the best result for yourself and for others like you you weigh that you, you actually are considering these things in in these moments in your life and it's it's a fascinating and effective framework for thinking 
especially if you want to be happy. I mean, because ultimately that's kind of the result is figuring out how not to be angry, how not to have hate, you know, how not to have all of those emotions that are real and they're there for a purpose. But sometimes we become overwhelmed and controlled by them. And it's not a natural, uh, they, a stoic would say that's, that's unnatural. Our natural place to be is happy, cooperative, you know, in comfort with ourselves. Wow, that's, I, that is actually very interesting. And you took my whole traffic analogy further. And it is, it's how you react, like that state of being in the car. Because I know I'm not nearly as angry as most people I see driving beside me. Uh, and I'll say that, you know, I have to go back to, so you, you threw out a quote um, thrown out by, I believe it was uh, Marcus uh, Ararchus or something. Who is that? Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. We'll go through some quotes here because I think they're really um, helpful for people to anchor on some of the wisdom, you know, so to speak. Uh, and there are probably things you may have heard in one way or another. And so I just to illustrate the point that, you know, this kind of humming below, you know, below the surface of everything you've ever felt was kind of right. <laughs> um, so there's three primary philosophers that modern stoicism today, modern stoics tend to reflect on the most, but there are many, there are many philosophers in the, in the lifespan or chain of stoicism and whatnot. But the three primary ones we tend to refer most to are Marcus Aurelius, who was um, a very, I don't know what the word is, productive or well-regarded emperor of the Roman empire. Um, one of them during the 450 or 500 years that it existed. So we had Marcus Aurelius, and that's basically the top of the pile, right, um, as that individual, as the emperor of a kingdom. And then we have um, Seneca. I don't know how to, Lucius, Lucius, somebody, Seneca. And this individual was a statesman, also Roman, um, was a statesman orator, basically like a senator, but was second in command to one of a different Roman emperor at another time. So here we have two different views kind of from the upper echelon of society and how these people are applying Stoic practices in their lives. And then one of the third primary ones that we pull from quite often, I'm going to mess up his last name, Epictetus, Ep Epistetus, Epictetus, awful. I'm going to have to learn it. But it's interesting because this individual was born as a slave. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to say lucky or whatnot, because slavery in Rome is very different than the slavery that was implemented in the United States. In Rome, you had the ability to earn, pay off whatever your debt was and earn your freedom. In this case, um, this individual was a slave, but their master allowed them to go to school until they earned their freedom. So he ended up studying philosophy and things like that. And by the time he did earn his freedom, he became a philosopher. And part of the reason why it's so valuable, and, and this is just a few, like just three of many people, um, even going back to Greece, like Zeno, we're not talking about Zeno, who's like the original father of Stoa, Stoicism. Um, but just to show that from the top of society to relatively the bottom of society, and the assumption there is everywhere in between, these practices are valuable, useful, and, and practicable. These are things that individuals throughout these societies 
found useful and helpful in their lives. So all of us can learn from this. You know, you don't have, it's not just for the top of the house or the bottom of the house. It's for all, all humans. And I, I'd like to go through just a few of their quotes so that we can start maybe inspiring folks to look into this a little bit more on their own. And we're going to provide some calls to action. But first, uh, I have a few from Marcus Aurelius. Again, he's the Roman emperor. So first one up, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. Waste no more time arguing about what a good man should be. Be one. Here's a few from Seneca. And interestingly enough, you mentioned earlier, Ray, um, before I go into that, you're like, oh, this thing's older than like Christianity and stuff like that. And that's true. Yeah, it's start- I, I threw out Greece. I just want to remind everybody, you know, Greece existed long before Christianity. Um, and Seneca actually was essentially, he lived during the time of Christ. <laughs> this particular, you know, Roman philosopher who was a statesman. Um, And so the first quote I have from him goes like this. Religion is regarded by the common people as true, but the wise as false, and by rulers as useful. As is a tale, so is life. Not how long it is, but how good it is, is what matters. If a man knows not to which port he sails. No wind is favorable. Last, let's talk about the quotes. Our philosopher who was formerly a slave. There is only one way to happiness, and that is to cease worrying about things which are beyond the power of our will. If anyone tells you that a certain person speaks ill of you, Do not make excuses about what is said of you, but answer, he was ignorant of my other faults, else he would not have mentioned these alone. It is not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. Any person capable of angering you becomes your master. The key is to keep company only with people who uplift you whose presence calls forth your best. And lastly, he who laughs at himself never runs out of things to laugh at. One of the things I'll just get back to quickly before we do the calls to action is this thing mentioned that quote about the only way to be happy is to stop worrying about things out of your power. And there's this concept called the dichotomy of control. And it's, it's like one of the first things you need to figure out among all of the things that are bothering you or weighing on you, what are the things in your control and what are the things out of your control? Like this is one little snippet of it all. It's called dichotomy of control because everything in Stoic philosophy, virtues, principles to help you make decisions really only applies to the things that are in your control. And it's actually really, really amazing. It really reduces the amount of energy it takes from you to make decisions. You become significantly more efficient when you immediately start recognizing what is not in your control in your life? What are, what are the things that it doesn't matter what decision you make, it'll never come to bear on this thing. You can only hope or you know wonder what's going to come next. So those things you don't have control over, you shouldn't spend too much time on them. Um, so it's 
you know, that's just one of the one of the several principles that are contained in there. But I think it's very, very powerful. And I think it's something people forget to kind of go through consciously is like, do I really have power over this? Otherwise, I'm wasting my life in this moment worrying about it. So we've got a just a few simple things today because um, we're introducing everyone to stoicism mostly because it's a great way to, to train yourself to think <laughs> like a human. Um, so get wiser. Uh, our first call to action is get wiser. There are a few resources you can explore on your own. Uh, we don't have a complete list right now, uh, just some on-ramps that seemed a little bit more accessible to us as we also begin our journey down this rabbit hole. Uh, so I'll include some links to some other resources in that section, and we highly encourage people to go and just start perusing. Like the easiest way to get into this thing is like find some list of these quotes. Um, there's some books out there that have like 366 Stoic sayings or whatnot. And every day you just, when you get up in the morning or before you go to bed, either way, I like it when I get up, don't look at the news. Don't look at anything. I just open this book on quotes and, and some, some have analysis and I read it and I just ponder it in the moment, in the, in the morning. And I try to carry that forward with me throughout the day uh, and see how it comes up. So it's one way to like a very simple way to practice stoicism. You don't have to go anywhere. It's about thinking. So we'll give you some, some resources to dig in there. We also want to mention that there's, um, there's some foundational documents and we're going to give a link to, you know, just again, we're talking about the on-ramp here. So we're looking for things that are accessible, things that are going to give you an overview. What is this? Where did it come from? Who did it? And how do I do it? Right. And then you go to source documents, right? Then you go to Marcus Aurelius's meditations. You go to, you know, Seneca's writings and letters. You know, you, you do that after you get oriented to it, because otherwise going straight to the writings um, without context. Uh, may not be as useful to you. So we'll give you, um, I'll share a link of three must-read books to get you started. And then give it a practice, you know, give it a try. Um, see how it feels just for yourself. I mean, I think once you start reading some of the quotes and understanding some of the context of them, it should make you feel a little bit differently. And if you want to connect with others in the Stoic community, there may be an opportunity to do that. There may be a Stoa, a Stoa near you. Uh, we'll include a link to the Stoic Fellowship, which um, their mission is to try and connect all the Stoas in the world. There's several in the U.S. And then there may even be some meetups online. So even if it's not physically near you, there may be a group you can join online. So we'll provide that to you. But again, it's you know it's not a religion. It's not a church. There isn't necessarily anywhere you have to go to practice. It's a, it's a personal practice and, and for self-improvement. So we want to encourage everybody to start thinking about this just because it's a great means to be, become a better citizen for ourselves and, and for our community at large. I think that's going to do it, Ray. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr., and thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. It's truly been a porch full of new ideas and information. Well, I guess not new ideas, but information. Ancient wisdom, that's for sure. <laughs> for information on this and other episodes, head over to citizendugan.com and click on podcast. 
While you're there, hit up the contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We saved the best for last. You were the best and you have been for years. Thanks for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzly and Studios, Inc.